Welcome to First Draft. I'm Chris Sproul with Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, the experts. I'm simply air traffic control. Guys, it's our first, our first pod, excuse me, um, after the college football season is officially over. And we already have talked that the number one pick is already settled. I can't believe it. If you would have told me this going into the season, I think we'd be talking about a Bama quarterback, not an LSU quarterback. But LSU has the quarterback and they have a trophy. Todd, you were there. I wanted to set up this show as the five biggest questions I have as we enter draft season officially. Number one was simply, did Joe Burrow lock it up if he hadn't already? It sure looked like it. I mean, you were there. You were watching it up close. What did you see? And is the answer to that question yes? I think the answer is yes, but that doesn't mean everyone's answer is yes. And that's... (laughs) You know, talking to scouts and, and a couple general managers that, that were there and that I've seen on the road during, during bowl season, there, there are always differing opinions on, on players. But to me, like, how do you not take him number one? He's the most poised quarterback I've seen in years. He's had, I know it's one of the biggest jumps from year one to year two that, that, that I've ever seen. I, I know Mel can, can get into it, but, but the the way he's playing right now is just at a different level. He's playing an NFL game mentally in at the college level, and I think he's ready to to translate to the NFL game. And I think he's ready to start right away. So he may not be, you know, he may not be Tom Brady. He may not be Drew Brees, and he doesn't have an elite arm. But he's mobile. He's exceptional in the pocket. He's so smart. He has a weird confidence that's hard to grasp unless you spend enough time around him and everyone around him loves him and he once he was allowed to just kind of go out and play the game and and start slinging it he finally finally was the joe brady that the, or, or joe burrow i should say under that's joe a, brady that's a that, heck of a slip. that everyone knew that he was going to be he every like even i talked to urban meyer and he was like i We've got so many talented guys. This this fifth quarterback on my on my depth chart is there's something about him, and it finally came out this year. What do you think, Mel? Everything Todd said is, is I would agree with. I, we were on with Mike Tannenbaum. I was on Monday, uh, Todd, on NFL Live prior to the game, and uh, we were talking mm-hmm. about Burrow. And I, I said, you know, Burrow's done, is, had a better year than Trevor Lawrence did. Uh, Burrow, if you look at Lawrence, yes, yeah. Lawrence is the ordained one. He, uh, he's the one that's going to be the number one pick next year. Everybody say he would have been the number one pick this year or last year. But Joe Burrow, you, you don't want to lessen what he did and how good he can be. And I think what people can't wrap their arms around is that he went from this off-the-radar guy, that fifth to seventh round undrafted free agent guy, to the number one pick overall. Just like when Peyton Manning was doing, was a number one pick, and he's in the NFL, he's setting records, and Tom Brady's when it wins, it wins the Super Bowl, and everybody's trying to say, well, Manning's still better than Brady. And nobody could ever give Brady the credit because he's a sixth-round pick, and nobody thought much of him coming in. It doesn't matter once you're great. Does anybody care that why, Brady why do was we a sixth-round pick? Now? Why do we do that? I, I think it's just mental. You you get into this. You can't ever just 
give the guy credit and say and forget. Well, how how was it that Brady? Everybody hated Brady. How could, how was it that the Patriots took Antoine Harris, a corner from Virginia, in the sixth round over him? How good can he be when everybody right. in the league hated this guy? They just can't figure it out, and they don't want to give the credit. But even even like with Kyler Mur- with Kyler Murray, yeah. no one wanted to give it to Kyler Murray. No one wanted to give it to Carson Wentz. Yeah, you know, like every year, I feel like we're having the same conversation. If they're good, they're good, right? Yeah, and this is even more, Todd, I think. And that's why I was on Monday, you almost feel like you have to defend Burrow. It's a, first, it's an mm-hmm. unfair question because Lawrence <laughs> hasn't been put under the microscope yet anyway. He's 20 years of age. Burrow's 23. He's a fifth year senior. Trevor's a, a sophomore. Uh, you know, so that's unfair to try to do that anyway. And if you say that, all I would say is, yeah, on grade, Lawrence will be expected to maybe be a little better than Burrow, but doesn't mean he will be. And this whole thing that I got into, and I think Mike Tannenbaum brought, well, you know, he's, I don't know if he can survive 16 games with that frame, and he doesn't have the great arm, and he doesn't do this, and he's a one. Hey, did Drew Brees have a great arm coming out? Did Tom Brady have a great arm coming out? Did no. Joe Montana have a great no. arm? Did Johnny Unitas have a great arm? Did any of these guys have a great arm? Let me tell you something, Mel. Three, three games standing within 15 yards of him walking. There isn't a, a tougher SOB in college football mm-hmm. than Joe Burrow. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it. He is the toughest dude I've watched at that position in a long time. Doesn't mean he's going to stay healthy, but if you look at the history of it, the guys who get injured in college get injured in the NFL, and the guys who stay healthy in college at, at the quarterback position typically stay healthy in the NFL, and he just keeps popping up from one big hit after another. Todd, Does Eli Manning have any any super frame? Eli Manning has been an like incredibly durable quarterback, and people wondered about that with him. You know, Peyton's not a gifted talent, but he was number one. He had a great career. So this notion you got to have off the charts physical ability to be a great quarterback has been proven wrong time and time again. That's why, because of the criticism that people were bringing up with you, Todd, about Burrow, they brought the same thing up about Brady. They brought the same thing up about Breeze, Montana, Unitas, all of them were about the same. That's why they were all drafted later than they really should have. And in Burrow's case, he's not going to be drafted later than he should be. He's going to be drafted number one. But there will be those people saying, one-year wonder. He doesn't have the frame to hold up for 16 games. Doesn't have elite arm strength. But did you see the way he slipped and slide and dipped in the pocket? Did you see his instincts? You mentioned his competitiveness off the charts. He's going to come into the league as a, with a chip because nobody wanted him coming out of high school. Nobody, They didn't want him at Ohio State. Nobody else wanted him. He goes to LSU. So he'll always probably ride that chip a long way. But I just think because he was so off the charts in terms of a grade, people just can't believe he deserves to be the number one pick in the draft. Todd, I can just, Mel is talking about Burrow in the pocket and his escapability. There's something I just want to nerd out on a little bit here early in this mm-hmm. process. I'm somewhat obsessed with Joe Burrow as a college player, his willingness to climb. He, you, we talked about it. This guy does not have a huge arm. But he consistently moves up in the pocket. He consistently climbs through pressure, and invariably that can cut 10, 15 yards off a throw as opposed to backpedaling. I know I think of a prospect like Derek Carr in your evals coming into this draft where he retreated from pressure and it was honest, it was negatively. Burrow has this weird knack of knowing that the best way to shorten a throw around pressure is to get forward. It's something that like Aaron Rodgers learned later in his 20s, and Burrow has it now. What is that? Yeah, I'm, 
Aaron Rodgers is is the perfect example. I think Drew Brees is a little Drew Brees is more to a tongue of Iloa and turn like the quick twitch and just going through progressions, right? Brady just gets the ball out quickly. Aaron when you if you really like sit there and study Aaron Rodgers tape, what he does best and you're exactly right. He didn't do it in college as much as he has learned to do it in the NFL is his eyes and feet are tied together and he feels pressure but never looks at pressure. Ooh, that's a good and one. that's a really hard thing to do. Keep that down. Anyone who's ever stood in that pocket it, and has felt the you know 310 pounders coming at you, 250 off the edge coming at you with a 4-4 speed and just kind of hangs in there and is capable of doing that, it's very rare. You see it in the NFL with a few guys. You don't see it in college very often. But that's what that's what Burrow has. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm I'm watching him on tape, and then more, I'm I'm always more impressed live because you see how big the dudes are. <laughs> you know, you see how like they're bearing down on him. Outside pressure, climb the ladder, climb up in the pocket. Inside pressure, slide, but always keep your eyes down the field. And then the thing that he does is he's going to wait until the last possible second, but then he'll take off and go. Like, And he can still run. That's the other thing that no one wants to give him a lot of credit for. He's pretty mobile. He's picked up a lot of big first downs this year by, by taking off and running, and that's not a big part of his game, but he's capable of doing it. And he ne- it's the very... Break the glass, pull the emergency, and, and if, if we have to do it, I'll do it. But he's going to wait in that pocket as long as he possibly can, and he never looks at the pass rusher. He just feels it, and you can't coach that. You can't teach it. It's about being around the game your whole life and just knowing it. Instinctive. He is a tremendously instinctive quarterback, and he sees the field so well, guys. And that, and, and that play before the half when he ran, he said he can't run. He had no timeouts. He got out of bounds. And he is so smart yep. with what he's doing on the field. He understands situations. He understands the time of a game and what needs to be done. Uh, that hit that Skalski uh, delivered to him at, on that touchdown pass to Moss at the end of the half, he was stung. He came off the field saying, don't touch me. I, I can't talk. I, he he yep. really talked because he, he had that rib. He was rib. pissed. <laughs> he, was, he was coming off like, hey, and he rode the bike. He came out early in the half, rode the bike, came out in the second half, played through it. They got it to 11 minutes before. Yeah, 11 minutes before halftime ended. So to me, there's not, people are going to always be critical of something. But again, you know, where he was last year, he, it wasn't like he was horrible. He had 16 touchdowns, five picks. The receivers dropped balls. Now you come in with a different system and everybody's better and he's off the charts. 71% are better in every regular season game against six teams are ranked in the top 10 at the time. You know, very few cupcakes. Uh, again, and I, I think when you look at Burrow, and you figure, okay, everybody had Tua as the number one guy. Tua's not. Now it's Burrow. Uh, there's always going to be people wondering. As I said, they wondered about uh, Tom Brady until they couldn't wonder anymore. They wondered about Breeze until they couldn't wonder anymore. They wonder. They always do it. They wonder about these guys even once they're in the league because they weren't highly regarded coming in until they just can't. they got to give it up. At some point, they got to get give it up. And at some point, maybe with Burrow. Again, he's not in the NFL yet. but and, and people can still question him because you won't know until he's in the league. But I would say this. It's What would you say? 95% chance he goes number one to the Bengals? Yeah, and, I, and to your point, I, I fought it too. 
And it's just, it's just human nature. I, I fought it until probably mid-October. And I was like, you know what? All right, he belongs up, up there. And, and I just kept rising, like climbing and climbing and climbing the, as you would call it, the big board, my top 32, whatever you want to call it. And then I finally was like, you know what? He's just better than everyone else. He's better than every other quarterback I've watched this year. He was, when Tua was healthy, Burrow was better. If Tua was healthy, then we would have a great discussion. It would be, you know, it would be a great debate, but it doesn't mean he's going to be a better pro, but he had a better season this year. And you said better than Tua. He was better than Trevor Lawrence. That's why that question about Lawrence was, I think, unfair and just something shouldn't even have been asked because, first of all, he's not draft eligible. But secondly, he had a better year. Trevor, the first seven games, was 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Eight interceptions in seven games against mostly cupcakes, mm-hmm. okay? Mostly cupcakes. In fact, all cupcakes. And he was at 55, 56% in three games, okay? You look at it from start to And he finish, played poorly the other night. Yeah, he did not have a good game. He looked like he was just, it just something was, you could look at his eyes and see he was just overmatched. He didn't have it. it all those overthrows. He just, he, it just wasn't getting it done. But I think the, the fact of the matter is Burrow was better than Lawrence this year. Does that mean he's going to be better? No, it doesn't mean that Lawrence won't be the number one pick next year. And, and, and doesn't mean he shouldn't be the number one pick based on how he played in that game. But the fact of the matter is Burrow won the Heisman for a reason to do what he did in the, in the final four, knowing he had the Heisman and had the pressure. They were they were like the Ravens. They were Super Bowl bust were the Ravens, I thought. Okay, And they ended up, fortunately, didn't get it done. LSU was Super Bowl or bust. It was national yes. championship or bust, right? And they didn't win that. Boy, everything they accomplished, everything Burrow accomplished, Coach O was down the drain. It was all forgotten, and it was all a waste of time if you didn't win it all. That's how they had a feel. That's intense pressure on Joe Burrow. Then to have the injury, then to have them cut it to 28-25 and have all the momentum, yep. yet you had another answer when you know you were hurting and not 100%. You went out there and did it, Todd. I think that was the – and nobody else had done it. Number one coming in, all that. So LSU did it. Clemson had the chip. They were the underdog as the defending national title, yet they had no answer in that game for Joe Burrow. Guys, I just want to put a cap on the Burrow section here, and I'll point this out. So Joe Burrow already last year had a had a pretty big, or going into this year, had a pretty big fan base in Ohio. A lot of people saw, hey, you know, we're not mad at you for transferring. You couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins. It's no big deal. A lot of Ohio State fans were rooting for him. He's from about an hour, what, an hour and a half away from Cincy, and I, I double-checked after the game. I sent a note to our Cincinnati Bengals reporter, Ben Baby, and I just said, you mean, this is done now, right? And he said, I actually think Bengals fans would riot if they didn't take him. So there's this whole added dynamic. If it was the L.A. Chargers or the New York Giants or the Detroit Lions or the Atlanta Falcons, and they were at number one, and they needed a quarterback, it would be obvious that it's Joe Burrow. And then you factor in all those little other added elements of you have a fan base that already has an affection for this player. <laughs> Let's see, Mike Brown, I'd like to see you go the other way on this. Guys, I wanted to jump just really quickly into number two because it's a different dynamic and not talk about a prospect here, but a huge aspect to this draft class are names like this. Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, uh, you know, obviously Andy Dalton. Is there one... Mel, I'll let you take this one. Is there one that kind of sticks out where you think, I don't know, maybe this team won't draft a quarterback because they'll bring in one of those guys? I'll throw out a one I just thought of just because we all remember this from working with John Gruden on the draft. 
is Mariota the type of player that John might bring in to, you know, give a little push to his uh, to his incumbent starter? Yeah, I'm really like John Mariota coming in. Um, you know how he feels now. I don't know. Um, I will say this, and Todd, you get your opinion. I, Miami at five with Tua. If you felt like you needed to have the number one pick and you did, and the whole tanking for Tua, which was a joke anyway, uh, but at five, do you take Tua? This is ironic because Miami passed on Breeze who was Nick Saban being the head coach to go for Culpepper because of Breeze's injury. Now you're sitting there yeah, at five nice with, with Saban's quarterback and two who has the, the significant injury, three lower extremity injuries with his hip that we won't know about uh, necessarily what's going to happen there uh, in the coming months. Hopefully you get some more answers, but we'll see. Uh, does Miami take him? Will the Chargers do at six? Do they take Justin Herbert? who is not perfect by any stretch, even though physically, athletically, intelligence-wise, he has it all. But do they take him as the heir apparent to Rivers and move forward there? Uh, I think those are the teams that, at, at that point that you would think Carolina, all this talk about Burrow is ridiculous because it's going to take too much. And if you even want one of the other two, you're going to have to get ahead of them. But Carolina could be. But in terms of those veterans, everybody everybody's going to be looking for the Tannehill Mariota situation with Mariota, Dalton, somebody else like with Trubisky in Chicago. Get Dalton there. So if Trubisky becomes like Mariota, Dalton could be Tannehill. You know, that's what everybody's going to try to copy that whole formula moving forward with those teams. But I I don't see Miami being impacted by it or the Chargers, Todd, unless you say it's Brady, but Brady's only playing a few more years. So you could still go Herbert, even if it's Brady or Rivers. That wouldn't impact that at all. But I do believe that Tua and Herbert at five and six would make some sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, I mean, I probably because I just flew into into Boston and and the only thing you can hear around here is is the Tom. There's there are three options. It's he's back in New England, he's going to the Chargers, or he's retiring. I mean, that's basically every, and it kind of starts a trickle down effect for for the rest of these guys and what's going to happen with these these quarterbacks. But I. Since we've seen so many, uh, let's say big names, it's not necessarily this like high quality because you don't have, you know, with with Brady and some of the other veterans, you don't have a lot of years left, and you know it. But how many big names are in free agency and have not been like wrapped up and locked up in terms of their future and and by general managers and and kind of just questioning how long can they actually go because it's a new phase we ne- we've never seen quarterbacks last this long and play at this high of a level and so i think everyone is looking around the league and saying i don't know when you know when is he done and brady looked like he was close to done this year and compared to his exceptional level that he's been for almost 20 years right and so I, I think that I think everyone's just trying to figure it all out. But I think Brady's going to be one of the first dominoes in terms of how how everything falls. Yeah, he has to essentially make his plans so everybody else can make their plans. I mean, I, I don't right. know how else to get around it. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. You know, one of the things I brought up uh, Mel the other day, even in talking to Mina, was how. Mm-hmm. The thing with Gruden kind of fascinates me if he might not necessarily draft a quarterback, maybe he'd take one late, but look for one of these guys on the free agent market thinking about all the hay he made with Rich Gannon and getting Rich Gannon to a level that nobody had ever seen before. And I just wonder if he finds some affection for 
all these quarterbacks that he's been staring at as a draft analyst and as a you know an NFL an, uh, over the last few years. It's just going to be kind of a fascinating process. Todd, I'll let you take this third question, the questions that are going to define draft season. I'm going to go back to that real quickly. I think Gruden's done with Derek Carr. Wow. We got a big one. Uh, yeah, I think he's done. I just – I don't think – You don't think he buys the ceiling? I think – uh, I think I think most other coaches would really like to have Derek Carr. I think John Gruden would like to have somebody else. Is my guess, I, and I, I'm and Mel knows this. I I'm basing that off of knowing John, but not he didn't. I've not I have not talked to him about it. So, but I just I don't think that they're the right marriage together. If that makes sense. Yeah, I just don't know where you improve it with who you improve it with. Uh, I, you know, I agree. A lateral, a lateral move, like I say, well, everybody thought we'll bring in Tannehill with Mariota. Well, you know, it's there, he's there, but when he came in, he gave him a lift and what have you. But I think maybe that scenario, like you mentioned, Mariota goes there to a Derek, and if Derek struggles, you can go to Mariota. I don't know how he feels about it. Andy Dalton and guys like that. Dalton may have a better scenario somewhere else. Uh, the draft is it going to bring anybody where they're picking at twelve? Uh, is he going to take a Jacob Eason at that point? I, I, I think that may be a little early myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just look at Carr. I don't know if you, unless you get better, and let's face it, that offense, those skill positions around Carr got to get better too. Waller made a lot of catches. You know, Williams has got to be healthy the entire year. Renfro came on. Okay. They need another weapon in that mix and, you know, to, to help out Carr. The line got better. Uh, Jacobs obviously is a good back. So everything's kind of in place there. Uh, defensively, they made some Stride's got a long way to go. Uh, you know, that whole Josh Allen, Clellan Farrell thing, it would, maybe with Allen would have given him better pass rusher. Crosby was a really good pick where they got him. We'll see what Mullen can do at corner. He's made, it seems like he has potential. We thought that going into the draft last year. So they still have some holes on defense, but I don't know. Where do you get better? You know, I thought last year, you know, hey, if Kyler Murray would have been there, maybe, but he obviously locked into one. Uh, you know, John loves these, evaluating these quarterbacks. We all know that, Todd. Which one does he like? Who knows? Uh, I will think, I, I think to, to Chris's point about Mariota, that would be the interesting one because like Gannon, he has that mobility. Uh, I know going back, John did like Mariota coming out. Um, you know, so maybe that would be somebody you bring in, you say, okay, he can be the backup there. And if Derek Carr kind of struggles and the team, like, like was happening with Mariota in Tennessee, ironically, maybe Mariota can do with Carr what happened to him in Tennessee with Tannehill. Maybe it flips, uh, with that whole script with Marcus Mariota. Guys, an interesting thing, and I'm jumping to question number three. Um, we just talked about Joe Burrow having the greatest season ever for a college quarterback and a damn near lock at the number one pick. And it's like, oh, then I look at, certain Todd McShay's uh, rankings that came out yesterday on ESPN.com, and Joe's number two, which is a reminder that maybe the best player in this draft and the guy that will hold the number one grade overall when we're all said and done isn't going to be the number one pick, and he's there at number two, which leads me to ask, Todd, is are the top two picks locked up? I mean, is Chase Young out of Ohio State, who has maybe a higher grade on your board than a guy like Nick Bosa, who just dominated this year as a rookie, is he for sure number two, or is that a crazy trade-up spot? Could Tua come into play? Like, what's going to happen there? I'll be shocked if Chase Young is not the number number two overall pick. There are some people who think he should be the number one overall pick and throw out the quarterback. I don't buy that, Mel, but I, I think with Chase, 
Listen, the Boses to me were two of the best defensive linemen that I've ever evaluated. The grades back it up. I remember them running poorly and some people saying, mm-hmm. oh, you, you know, you can't be an edge rusher. You can't be the, you can't be an elite player in the NFL if you run a 486 or a 479 or whatever the numbers were. But on tape, they were just so special. Now, Chase is not there yet. He's not, he's not as developed as, as the Bosa's, but he's more athletic and he's got a, some of the same traits. And what I love about him, he just, he plays his tail off every single play. And you don't get many guys who are that talented and then they play that hard down in and down out. And I know there are some moments where you'd like to see him have a little bit more production, I guess, in bigger games, but you go back and look at his numbers and they stack up with, with all the elite defensive linemen that, that we've ever had those top grades on. And again, the Boasters were we're more NFL ready right now. This guy's more talented. And I think the potential's there if, if he continues to develop. Yeah, two things on that side. I remember I was leaving the combine and I, I hear this, Mel, Mel, it was John Bosa. He was sitting at the bar and he was waiting at the airport for his flight with his wife. And, you know, and we came running over. He said, Nick's so ticked off. He really wanted to run again. But I thought, no, he goes that 40 time. He didn't want, he didn't feel comfortable with that. He didn't like it. He hated the fact that he didn't. So again, competitiveness and that whole 40 time, did it really matter? Uh, going back to John and Nick and Joey, no, it did not matter. You look, go back to 40 times. We were all talking about Devin Singletary, great back runs, four, six, six. Oh my gosh, what happened with that? And he ends up having a great rookie year with the Buffalo Bills and one of the best backs in that. Draft. So you got to be careful with that. But I think to the point about Young, when Young didn't dominate and have two, three sacks in those final few games against that better con- in those those big stage games, I think it yep. made it easier for Cincinnati. I think I think that took pressure off Cincinnati because the Bengals had he gone out and wreaked havoc and been out there sacking Lawrence and sacking the quarterback in the Michigan game, Patterson. All of a sudden, it's like how can you t- not take this guy? He's a game wrecker. The fact that he was quiet in those couple games, I think, made it easier for the Bengals to reconcile and, and not have all the the people saying, "What are you doing?" So I think that helped the Bengals. It obviously allows them to be no, I think, uh, discussion about it and. All of a sudden, there's the Redskins with Chase Young. And nice to get the best player with the second pick. If you if you believe Young is the best player in the draft, not a bad thing. No, no critique of Burrow. Their grades are very similar. But I think I think the way that Young finished made it a little easier for the Bengals. But and, and let's not forget. And I understand he did not have big numbers against Clemson, basically. But you go back and look, he didn't play two games. He was suspended for the two games, right? Mm-hmm. And he still wound up. If you go back and look, 21 tackles for loss and 16 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles and three uh, broken up passes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how, how do you put up bigger numbers in a, what is it, a 12 game span, 12 or 13 game span? By the way, Todd, then those, yeah. those two games he missed, I think Rutgers was one of them. Uh, I don't know if yeah, it was he would, and he, he would have added. Eaten. Right. Yeah, it would have been a joke. Those were just chase the quarterback days. Yeah, it's amazing. No, no. To to Mel's point, and and, and honestly, talking to NFL scouts, that's the one thing. It's like, why didn't he play that well in in that one game against Clemson? But, yeah, I mean, he would have had probably four sacks, five sacks against Wisconsin and or um, Maryland and Rutgers, those two games. 
Yeah, and I think two, two, what we're talking about, the, the first two picks are kind of locked in. I think it gets really interesting at four. I, oh, I think that was, my, I think that was four, my next question. I, Where's the move spot? I think four, Chris and Todd is really a fascinating with Gettleman loving the big guys, the linemen. And knowing mm-hmm. the offensive line has to get better and knowing your franchise quarterback needs help. The thing is, do you take an Andrew Thomas there from Georgia or do you take Isaiah Simmons knowing you need linebacker help and Simmons per- is perfect for today's NFL with his versatility? Do you maybe reach a little bit for Andrew Thomas? Do you take Isaiah Simmons who may have the higher grade? I think what Gettleman does at four is going to, as you talk about that trickle down, the domino effect, that pick will impact a lot. Well, because, you know, setting up this board a little bit here, you know, by the way, low-key, the number three spot with the Lions is also a possible trade spot if they're not in love with Okuda, if they're not in love with Simmons, if they How rather can you not have not love tech- Okuda? Tell me, hey, you've seen this guy. I'm you just want, saying, if, I, if somebody blows you, know what's you funny? away, if somebody blows you away because yeah. they want to get Herbert or they want to guarantee Tua, they're going to have to get to three or four. Yeah. I've been writing the same two notes to myself for, I don't know, like it feels like 10, 12 years. The Giants don't take linebackers in the first round. This is what Carl Banks, I think. <laughs> Carl it was. Banks, yeah, right? yep. Carl Banks. Yeah. And then uh, the Lions don't take cornerbacks in the first round. Terry Fair, 98. Yep. I was still in college, right? University of Tennessee. So we got Terry yep. Fair, we got Carl <laughs> Banks, we got, and the Giants, the best player on the board is probably going to be Isaiah Simmons, and they could easily take him. And, and, I, and I think the Lions should take Okuda. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be funny to watch how it all plays out. But I, those are the two guys that I, to me, they fit the best. They're the best players on the board. And if they, if those teams don't trade out or move around, where else are you going to go? Andrew Thomas is a really good player, Mel. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not Okuda. And he's, he's not Isaiah Simmons. Those two guys are at a different They're level, so in my opinion. And then the rest of the draft kind of falls in behind that with like, you know, Jerry Judy and C. And the wide receivers and some of the other Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. But I, I just Andrew Thomas is a really good player. He's not top five in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we say it would be a reach. Does Gettleman do that and pass? Like you say on Simmons, who would make a lot of sense with Okuda. If you think he can be Gilmore, Tre'Davious White, that kind of player, obviously Patricia would go with Okuda, but and put him opposite Slay, and then you got something going there. Defense has to get better, so I think it would be the route to yep. go. And you mentioned trading up. Are you going to trade up to get a quarterback who's got the injury as Tua does? A Herbert's got question marks. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think so. I think it may just fall where. You know, Burrow, Young, Okuda, Simmons, Tua, that's your top five. And then if you want to put Herbert in at six, maybe, I, I don't know how easy, Derek Brown, maybe seven to Carolina. And then you got Judy and Lamb with Arizona. Then Andrew Thomas is there for Jacksonville at nine with Wirfs from Iowa or Wills from Alabama at 10 for Cleveland. Mel's and one of those receivers at 11 done. for the Jets. Todd, I love, I, Mel just asked. I don't even quick, know why we have to fly out to Vegas. I was going to say, let's just do it from the studios here. <laughs> Looks too easy, Todd. Hey, uh, hey, Todd, Mel asked a great <laughs> question in there. Would Dave Gettleman reach? You can go ahead and answer. I, I have no idea. I, I, I've never spoken on that. I've never, um, I've never, <laughs> never come up. I mean, please come on. Guys, I, we have a pile. We've gone about 35. <laughs> I'm backing minutes. off of it. And Mel, what I love about Mel is from the Gettleman talk. I'm not saying a thing. What I love about Mel is he he looks at last he looks at last year 
and Gettleman's decision in the first round is a win, and I look at it as a complete loss. And I don't know where the disconnect is, but we have four months to you know work it all out. You can work it out. They got a running back at two. They got a quarterback. You have ranked fifty at six. Uh, What's next question, Chris? Guys, uh, one uh, last question here, and it kind of serves as Senior Bowl week, and, and we'll hit the mailbag in a second. But just one last question here on questions that are going to define this draft process. This is the year of the wide receiver. We have Jerry Judy really high. Is this is this another year where at the end we're talking about a DK Metcalf? We're talking about a Michael Thomas who's obviously reached another level. But what my point is, it's so deep that we're talking about guys that went in the second and third round and we're like, man, it's just a loaded class again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems that way. Mel, I mean, what do you think? There could, there could be six or seven in round one. But that just means there's probably a few more good ones in round two. Yeah, I'll, I'll give Todd his guy. I know Todd's guy, it seems to be, is, is a guy that he'll get to out west. But uh, I like Michael Pittman Jr. in the second round because if he doesn't have the great 40 time, you know, has the frame, has the, the, the obviously you talk about the bloodlines, you think about uh, the production. I think Michael Pittman Jr., USC in round two. The guy, I think, you talk about explosiveness and versatility. K.J. Hamler from Penn State. We'll see how he tests and whatever, but he's the guy that is Mr. Excitement. So I would say if you're looking for guys that haven't maybe, maybe discussed as much as some of the top guys, I'd go Hamler and I'd go uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I'll leave your guy, Todd, to you. What a setup. You gotta know who your guy is. <laughs> I, listen. Don't, he's probably said, who's he talking about? I have no idea who you're talking about, but Brandon I'm just through my Brandon Ayuk. Todd, yes, he knows you, you better go. than you know yourself. Isn't that nice to have? Yeah, no, I, I, I knew where he was going. And he, and, and you're welcome, Mel. Every once in a while, I throw you a little bit of a bone. Uh, <laughs> Judy, Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, but Chenault, Ayuk. I mean, ha- Hamler, as Mel just mentioned. And that's, and Peoples Jones, Don- like Donovan Peoples Jones, if he had a quarterback who consistently could throw him the ball at Michigan, Michael Pittman is such a great dude and a hardworking player, and I bet you he's going to be a possession receiver in the NFL, contested catches, and he's going to be productive for 10, 12 years. And and then, where, where are we, like nine? No, that's 10. Mm-hmm. Jalen Rager from uh, TCU. K.J. Hill from Ohio, uh, from Ohio State. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So it is a loaded class of, about of Lynn wide Jr. receivers. Okay, look at you, Mel. You're already getting into your tape. I like it. Like Lynn Bowden. I like yep. it. Mm-hmm. The running backs are really good, too. DeAndre wanna... Swift. Oh, go ahead. Clyde uh, Edwards uh, Elair. I thought it was Allaire, like my daughter, for, like for Eclair. a year. But it, exactly. Cam Akers is so underrated. Travis Etienne, how, how hard does he run? I mean, so right there, you how got six, Anthony seven McFarlane backs. at Maryland? Yeah. Yes. Fast. Injured this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I, I just 100%. added him. I, I didn't. I didn't realize he was, he was coming out early. I just added him. I got him in the third round, late third round. You, you know, want to know the one other thing that's kind of crazy, just coming out of the national championship game, is if super productive sophomore wide receivers were allowed in. I mean, Jamar Chase ain't in this draft, but he could be. I mean, Ohio State's got him. USC has him. Uh, 
there's another one in Alabama. I mean, I'm not even going to get into all these names. We're talking about guys that are like first round type pedigree that aren't in this draft. Robinson. It's, it's going to be loaded up again next year. It's remarkable. Yeah, I think Nick got a, a good thing there with Devontae Smith going back. Uh, and I thought he was going to come out. I like Devontae Smith a me lot. Too. And he, he's going back to Alabama, which surprised me a little bit that he didn't come out because I would have probably had him ahead of Henry Ruggs the third, maybe uh, going into this draft. But, uh, I like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. You're right. He, they, they're going to have weapons, uh, at the disposal there. Ross going back to Clemson. But this whole notion that, that LSU next year is going to be as, as good or keep this rolling, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to lose. They're losing a lot yeah. of good players on, on really, uh, on both sides of the ball and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how LSU is and actually how that offense is Brady moving on so but we'll get that's the story for another day in terms of this draft Todd in terms of the running backs and you mentioned some of those names and we'll get to another position uh, in a minute but you think about the fumbling issue and the lack of great hands and you think I, I go to Jonathan Taylor you know he's fast he's a great pure running back the fumbles mm-hmm. the lack of great natural pass catching ability and we can go to Dobbins a little yep. bit there. He's not, you got a couple drops in that final, in the playoff game. He also has had some fumbling issues and he's a fierce runner. How do we reconcile in today's NFL, Dobbins and Taylor? Uh, I think it starts with DeAndre Swift. I think he's, he's the class Best all of around the, back, right. Of the group, right. Mm-hmm. I think Dob, man, what Dobbins did this year was, was fun to watch. Jonathan Taylor is one of like the highest character, mm-hmm. tough guys that you'll ever be around. And he's, he's going to make the locker room better. He's going to make the organization better. He's going to set a standard that probably doesn't exist wherever he, he was drafted. It, it might take a year. It might take two years, but he's going to be the standard bearer of the, of that organization. So, and you want that at quarterback. You don't care as much at running back and pass rusher, but Jonathan Taylor's got something special about him. I would go Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, and then Clyde Edwards Elaire is. He's mini MJD. I, I, you know, he. What's yeah, that? That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, he's Maurice mini Jones MJD. Yeah. He's just yeah. low mm-hmm. center of gravity. Yeah. Quick I, feet. I totally agree. And, and there's something about him. Go backwards. Yep. I, yeah. And then I, he just, he runs so hard. He, he figures out a way to make his own yards, whether it's by making guys miss or, or running over them and, and driving his legs. So I, I love all four of those backs. After that, there's a bunch of, there's a lot of really good backs. Travis Etienne, as I mentioned, uh, Najee Harris, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, AJ Dillon from Boston College, Zach Moss from Utah, McFarland, you mentioned, well, Michael Pirine from, <laughs> From Florida, I mean, there's a lot of good now, running Najee, backs. Is Najee going back, Todd? Uh, it, it, did he make it official? I, I, I was traveling back. <laughs> yeah, I think I had heard Najee time. Harris may be going back. Is, uh, Chris, you can get a, He's a going back. Okay. on that. Yeah. We can check that on Najee Harris. I will check that out for you guys. We A ton of uh, mail came flooding in. We got about six, seven, eight minutes here left. Um, so let's get to some of it. We can tee it up because, Todd, you'll be in Mobile. Melly will be watching. I want to mm-hmm. get a few of the Senior Bowl questions in there. Sure. Kuiper, I thought Nagy was going to get you to Mobile this year. No, I have didn't, a mock draft coming out this week. Uh, so I'll be – these juniors, Todd, do you see the list of juniors? 
This underclassmen. No, I just, I just heard, I just heard your excuse. That's all I heard. Um, I I'm gonna be, to I'm gonna be. Music. I got take all these guys. I got to go back. There's a couple guys, and before we get, there's about three guys that I'm thinking about for the first round. That I have. There's a linebacker coming out of Oklahoma by the name of Kenneth Murray, number nine. Yeah, he's good. Who is that a heck hurt. of a player? I, I'm thinking about Todd making him a very high first round pick. I got him at thirty. Yeah, I'm going to go higher than that. I think he's going to go okay. mid first round. So I'm going to, I'm a Kenneth Murray guy. I think he's going to test off the charts. Uh, he doesn't Zayden. cover real well, but he is so fast and oh. he is, he's the only dude on that defense. Chisel. Chisel. I, I love the way he plays. Yeah. I mean, he's all out chisel guy. And I, and I think Xavier McKinney from Alabama, um, I'm yep. trying to find a spot for him, but no, let's move on. That's just for me. That's what I'm doing. But in terms of, uh, the underclassmen, boy, what a list. Yeah, let's let's jump to that. We have a we have some questions. Um, AJ Indovina tweets in at hashtag first draft. Who are a few guys that you're most interested in seeing in Mobile? Todd, I'll let you tee this one up. Good question. Uh, I want to see. I guess some of the receivers that aren't underclassmen. How about it's Andy a, Golden from Liberty? Yeah, yeah, I'd like I mean, yeah, I'm interested. I want to see Justin Herbert compete. Is he in the, he's saying that he's going to come and compete and play for quarterback? It, I would love to see him come out and just ball out all week. He's got tools, but something's been missing. We've talked about it a lot. We we have a few months to get into it, but I want to see him go be the alpha dog there in Mobile and and put on a show. Because that, if you're one of the elite players in the draft, you're going to go to that game and you're going to stand out as one of the top six or seven players at, at the Senior Bowl, and that's how it always goes. doesn't matter what position. And Herbert needs that, in my opinion. Mel, I got a great question for you because I just love how our listeners are so draft nerdy so early on, and this is, this is right in your wheelhouse. Mike yeah. Schindel asks, who's the best – Blitzing middle linebacker in this draft. Well, I think a guy that you can move around. I think in terms of blitzing middle linebackers, first of all, you know, there's not a, this is not a really good year overall. I think when you look at guys that would fit, I like Logan Wilson at Wyoming, uh, Troy Dye at Oregon. Uh, and it's, and again, it's not the true Mike Man days. So these guys are, are fluid and they move around. Jordan Brooks at Texas Tech. Uh, Kamal Martin at Minnesota, I think has some versatility there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson, Wyoming, Britt's going back, KJ Britt Auburn going back. Dylan Moses, Alabama going back. I already mentioned Kenneth Murray, but I'd say Troy Dye, Oregon. Um, Malik Harrison, Ohio State would be another guy. Kamal Martin, Minnesota. Had Zach Bond's not bad. Injury. He's inside, outside. He, he's more, again, more outside, but he's a guy who can get after the quarterback there. I think from an edge standpoint, Todd, and this is the guy who's going to be at the Senior Bowl, Lewis from Alabama is explosive. And he came back Terrell from the injury. Lewis, yeah. uh, Terrell, he's the kind of guy that could soar up uh, with a good – you know about guys that could really benefit from those pass rush drills and getting after the quarterback. Lewis from Alabama uh, has that explosiveness coming from the outside. Here's one. And, and, it's- and, and Lewis, is, Lewis is more athletic and has more upside. Anthony Jennings played his – Mm-hmm. You know what off this year and, and showed up in big games. Um, 
and he's not nearly as athletic as as Terrell Lewis is. And I think Lewis is going to go earlier, but there's something about Jennings, which is like every time you put on the tape, you're like, oh, he's tight. He's not athletic. He, he just he doesn't have the traits. But then he winds up with two and a half sacks at the end of the game and four, you know, four tackles for loss or whatever it is. I just want to get you guys in the practice of answering this because it's come in 6,000 times already. Who are the Browns? Who's going to be there for tackle for the Cleveland Browns at number 10? I, we don't know if they're going to take tackle. Who knows if they have Trent Williams at tackle by the time the draft starts? My point is, is that people are just obsessed with the fact that Greg Robinson was there a lot and it didn't go well. Mel, who are these guys in play at 10? Well, they're right tackles. And I like Andrew Thomas, is he there at 10? Todd, I don't think he will be. I could see Jacksonville. But if Andrew Thomas were there, you could probably think that would be a good spot if you're going to mock. Do a Jedrick mock Wills is the only other yeah, option. Yeah, Wills, right? he's a right tackle. Um, Wirfs yeah. from Iowa played a little left tackle when Jackson was hurt. Held his own there, but he's a right tackle. Um, so I'd say Wirfs or Wills, if you're looking for that right tackle at that point. If Andrew Thomas, the left tackle from Georgia, were there, then I think if he gets past Jacksonville, if he gets past Arizona, if he gets past those teams, gets past the Giants at four, then uh, at 10 Cleveland, I think we'd have to look at him if they didn't add somebody in free agency. All right, I'll try to find one more. Or here. make a trade, whatever. So, yeah, I think that would be some of the guys that are going to go early. In terms of tackles, Todd, is there anybody else? Josh Jones from Houston will be down at the yeah. Senior Bowl. Uh, he will be interesting yep. to watch there. Matt Peart from Connecticut, another kid, will be interesting to keep an eye on there. From Isaiah Wilson standpoint. came out from Georgia. Yep. He's, he's second round, though. I was surprised that Eke Charles from LSU came out. I thought he needed another year. Trey Adams from Washington. I mean, there, there are a bunch of guys in that second, third round range. But I, two I under the radar guys will be at the these. Senior Bowl too. Uh, ben Barch, who I did a thing on on dot com back during the year, is an under the radar guy from St. John's, Minnesota. Ben Barch, and also another guy I did a thing on on dot com during the year. Alex Taylor, Todd from South Carolina State, will be in Mobile. Andrew Thomas from Georgia and Jedrick Wills from Alabama are the only two that I could comfortably stamp in the first round after that i think you know second third fourth round range by the way the interesting thing about these tackles is how much movement we've seen in recent years when these guys go and work out and you know i think i i'll give you an example i think of a case like lane johnson and lane johnson just goes crazy at the combine runs four seven and you know what it's it's just interesting how the evaluation process for these guys has changed so much. A lot of it because of, like you, you know, there's a lot of college concepts and offenses in the NFL, but they're just asking different things from these tackles. We've talked about it over the last few years, but man, that that position has not gotten any easier to evaluate. I just dropped the mic there. They agree completely. Sorry, I thought. <laughs> I thought you were going to transition. I thought we were going to another question. <laughs> no. I, and we three, two, one. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Three, two. <laughs> Guys, that's uh, – there's so many questions. We're not going to be able to get to them all. We have gone, though, about 50 minutes here, ballpark, Daniel. And so I think we'll uh, I think we'll cut everybody a break. We've gone on their commute and back. Uh, but I'm Chris Brown. When you with- start talking philosophically about offensive tackles, you know it's it's time to call it a day, right? That's it for first draft this week. Next week's the big one. We've got a Kuiper 
mock draft to evaluate, hammer on, and Fermel to defend. Should be a good time. Todd, you'll be in Mobile, but we'll make it work. Kuiper, I can't wait. Oh, finally, finally, yeah. you're you're getting involved. You're getting in the game. I'm trying, man. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna watch those first two days of practice before I actually come out with this mock. Because somebody's gonna pop in Mobile. It's gonna be in that 15 to 25 range based on what happens down there in those practices. Mel's trying to get that first mock pushed to about April one. I'm moving it to Thursday. From yeah, Tuesday. there you go. But then right. he wants nine more in like the three weeks. No, no, no. I want less is more. He's a, he's a different cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guys, that's first draft from this week. I'm Chris. It's Mel. It's Todd. We'll be back soon enough.